This podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and Ingress. Due to the extraordinary prevailing circumstances, Inglis will be conducting two Easter sales for 2020. Easter Round 1 will be a fully digital sale which will run from Sunday, April 5 until Wednesday, April 8. And Round 2 will be a physical sale at Riverside on Sunday, the 5th of July, pending any coronavirus-related restrictions at that time. Easter 1, the online sale, will operate in exactly the same format as the regular twice-monthly online auction. Two rounds provides everyone with greater flexibility, with English's goal being to provide a vital service to the industry, to keep trade in place between breeders and buyers. All key information is available at english.com.au forward slash bidding at Easter. My special guest is Larry Cassidy, still riding very successfully in Queensland. If you had to nominate the Group 1 race in which you had the best run, I'll be very surprised if you don't nominate the Victoria Derby of 1998 when you won on Arena. What a freak run you got in that race. Yeah, it was um, – yeah, I did. I, just, I had all the luck in the world, I think, um, and I think I was probably just on the right horse on the day, um, perfectly prepared by John Hawkes and – uh, I remember um, uh, the late Mr. Jack Ingham. Um, we were standing in the enclosure, and I think I drew 12 of 12. Mm. And he said to me, what do you think? I said, oh, we're going to be back past mid. I think the main thing is just get on the track and ride him to get home. He said, "He said, just it's not a Victoria Derby. It's just a maiden at Timbuktu. He said, just ride it like that. <laughs> Did he? <laughs> Uh, and um, yeah, it was. Uh, I just, I think I went back to last, and I never went round a horse until I think I had to come off the fence to get what, round one at about the six hundred meter mark, mm. and just had an absolute dream run. And um, yeah, it was probably a, you know, even I think John Hawks gave me a twelve out of ten ride, which is yeah, you know, unlike him. It didn't happen often. <laughs> no, <laughs> Larry, I've got a list of your Group One wins in front of me, and. This would be about half of them. Let me yes. just throw a few at you for old time's sake. Yes. Carnegie Express in the Rose Hill Guineas. Loveria uh, yes. in the Maya Classic. Yeah. Desert War, you mentioned him earlier. You won an Epsom and a Chipping Norton on Desert War. He was a lovely old horse. He was tough. You won an Epsom on a Victorian horse called Golden Sword. I can still see you in dazzling yellow and red colours. You won two Brisbane Cups on old Yippie I.O. and Portland Singer. You won an Epsom and a Queensland Derby on a lovely little horse called Dodge. Dodge. You won a Chipping Norton on Juggler. I'm glad you got to win a Group 1 on him. He was as honest as they came. Oh, yes. You won the George Main twice, Coronation Day and March Hare. And here's one I'd like you to elaborate on, an AJC Derby on Ivory's Irish. Now, mate, there is a horse who came out of nowhere in the weeks leading up to that derby. Yes, yeah, he he was a he was a he was actually a very underrated little horse. He um, that was the year Dane Wynn was 
I think I beat Dane win that year um, oh. with Jackie Che. You did. Yeah, I remember the race. I, I, I was quite confident we could win because I, I had a lot of faith in the horse and, you know, I knew knew how good he was. And, um, and you know, he, he got a bit of a wet track, which he didn't mind either. And, you know, we run down Dane win in the final stages. Special mention of a filly called Unworldly who had to be put down after a track accident at Warwick Farm. Now, she'd won five from six. You won the triple crown on her, the Furious, the T-Rose and the Flight Stakes. She looked to have an enormous future. And I know there was a a massive shock to everyone associated uh, with Crown Lodge when she broke down. Yeah, that was – I I, I was actually – I didn't ride work um, for John or at Warwick Farm that often, but – uh, she was going – so this is a Tuesday before the 1,000 guineas um, in Melbourne, and uh, I, I went out there and he, he wanted me to come and ride a work, and she broke down that morning um, when I was on her, and that was, yes, one of the, one of the, one of the t- saddest and toughest times um, for not only me but um, more so for the staff and everyone that was associated with her. Mm. Um, she was just a beautiful filly. And uh, John Hawkes had the very unpleasant duty of ringing Jack and Bob Ingham to pass on that sad news. They were all very excited about it. Yes, yeah, for sure. Like, she would have won that 1,000 guineas hands down. And funnily enough, um, the year before, I was supposed to actually go down and ride Sunline in that 1,000 guineas too, but she went and missed before the race too. Mm. So I was destined, probably destined not to win that race ever. Mate, it might happen yet. Don't give up. No, you never know. When we talk about the good horses you rode, we tend to forget about Saintly. You rode him twice for a win in the 1996 Expressway Stakes, 1,200 metres, and you didn't ride him again until the AJC Derby in front of 40,000 people at Randwick. I'll never forget it. You ran second and you struck octagonal on a day when he refused to get beaten. Yeah, that's right. That was, um, uh, yeah, the Rose Hill Guineas to start before I didn't ride. I think Patrick Payne might have ridden. Yes, he did. Mm. There was, what, nothing like a Dane and um, Falante and Octagonal and I think three of them all went over the line together and then obviously the the Derby was the grand final and I was lucky enough to to ride Saintly and, uh, gee, I think I give him an absolute gem of a ride and hit the front about, 50 metres from the post and then the octagonal snagged me on the line. Yeah, he just wouldn't yeah. give up that day. He threw, no, he, he wouldn't. He threw himself at the line. He did. He did. And, you know, um, you know ridden by Darren Beedman, who, who obviously gave him a fantastic ride. And, mm. um, you know, he was just beaten by the, the, the best horse on the day. Mm. There was a little New Zealand horse in both the Rose Hill Guineas and the Derby that year called Roycein. He was trained by Roger James, and I can remember Roger telling me in a pre-race interview uh, that he was one of the nicest three-year-olds he'd ever had. Uh, yes. he, he said a month ago I was confident he was up to up to his ears in a race like the Derby in Sydney, but he said uh, I struck a vintage year and the best I could do was fifth. Fancy running into horses like that 
saintly, yeah. octagonal, nothing like a Dane. Falante was another one. Falante, they, they were the first four home. Then mm. Royson must have finished fifth, obviously. So, mm. yeah, um, when you when you look at what those horses carried on to do in their career, um, yeah, it's it was it was certainly a uh, a vintage year. In nineteen ninety seven, Darren Beedman quit the saddle to become a minister of religion, and the number one spot at Crown Lodge became available. I don't know that John Hawkes ever officially offered you the job, but you suddenly found yourself with the bulk of the good rides. Is that how it happened? It was a transition more than anything else? Yeah, it was. Um, Yeah, I was probably getting the second stringers, which, you know, um, sometimes actually won. Half the time they actually won when Darren was number one. And and then when Darren decided to, to, you know, uh, hang up the boots for a while, um, I just, I suppose, slipped straight in there and, you know, I found that I was getting the majority of the rides and that continued for the next uh, maybe four years probably, yeah, and had, had an absolute fantastic time. Mm, including three Sydney Jockeys Premierships. That's something to look back on. Yes, yeah, for sure. And, um, yeah, got to ride some fantastic horses and, um, yeah, many, many, many horses, their stables. And, and even now when I look through um, some of the Godolphin bred horses uh yeah i can see i can see the met the horses that they're by or out of you know mm. i've ridden yeah of course john hawks was under a lot of pressure in that era uh, getting horses to perform and keeping jacking them happy and sometimes john's stress levels translated to <laughs> his association with his jockeys <laughs> and you were on the receiving end of the odd to raid as were most jockeys who rode for the stable. How did you handle that? Uh, yeah, so it was, you know, I certainly um, got on the end of a stick quite a few times and a couple of times well and truly deservingly, mm. but then there was a few times that I don't think I deserved it. Yeah. Um, we, well, I suppose we butted heads a few times, but um it was part and parcel of you know when you went to the races um you know you were gonna you were gonna cop a spray you know at least once yeah um even we you know me rodney quinn who was doing a lot of riding for him as well and then Corey brown like um when john didn't go to the races and we we thought that we rode one poorly mm. we would joke that damn, he threw something at the TV and we could feel it actually hit us in the back of the head because <laughs> I'm sure he had stress yeah. balls or something that he had throw at the TV. <laughs> you were suddenly conscious of a cooling in your relationship with Crown Lodge and you felt the end was inevitable. You knew it was coming. Yes, I did, yes, yeah. Um, I, I was sort of slowly, you know, slowly getting less rides and um, – I suppose copying more sprays than what what I what I deserved, and I could see it was coming to an end, and um, and yeah, it, it it came to an end quite abruptly with with a phone call um, that Michelle actually tried to stop me doing, but I just I wanted to move on, and I didn't want to just you know I suppose being dragged down by by um, um, you know a lot of the sprays that I probably didn't deserve to get. Mm. So I decided to end it myself. Oh, you actually contacted Crown Lodge and ten- uh, I, tendered your resignation. 
yeah, pretty much, yes, mm. um, but very in in quite few words and um, um, explicit words. It was done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, weirdly enough, when I rang uh, John, and yeah, sort of, I suppose had it out with him in in quite few words and explicit words mm. um i actually hung up on him mm. and then my my phone rang mm. and it was i was about to actually call um mr jack Ingham, mm. and it was actually jack calling me mm. and he was actually standing next to john when i'd made the phone call <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> uh, which was quite funny because um he just sort of said to me he said he said it's the funniest thing he's ever seen. John had the phone away from his face, looking at it, and said, "That bloke just called me this and that, and then hung up on me." <laughs> and he said the look on John's face was priceless. <laughs> mm, Jack told you that. Yes. So yeah. We had. I, I just thanked him for, um, you know, the you know, the opportunity that I had, um, which a lot of jockeys would have killed for, mm. and you know, obviously. Um, to be their number one rider, I just thanked them for the opportunity. I still got to ride for them after that uh, on several occasions, um, and you know, obviously, just expressed that um, things weren't working between me and John, and that would only be detriment to their um, to their setup. So, you know, I was I was happy to sort of bow out and then move on. Owners are disappointed, but completely understanding of the unavoidable prize money cuts and the usual Derby Day atmosphere will be sadly lacking. None of that will make the slightest difference to the quality of the fields and the standard of racing. The historic star Doncaster Mile heads up an exciting program supported by the Australian Derby, the TJ Smith Stakes and the English Sires Produce, while the Bush Horses will be in town for the country championship final. It's not the kind of Derby Day we've grown accustomed to, but we're lucky to have a race meeting at all. And what a meeting it is. All the action will be on Sky One, Sky Thoroughbred Central and Sky Racing Radio. Let's fast forward to 2020. You're approaching your 50th birthday. Jockeys like Damien Oliver, Glenn Boss and most notably the recently retired Jeff Lloyd have suddenly made veteran jockeys almost fashionable again. <laughs> yeah, it's um, you know Jeff Lloyd. He he he's a marvel because no one really knows how old Jeff was. Mm. I'm sure he was he was very close to sixty, mm. um, but Jeff was an absolute marvel, and um, you know being able to ride with him up here for for several years, um, you know I, I really admired him, and you know. He was like just a world-class jockey. Um, I even asked him for advice a couple of times because you can never stop learning. And, no. um, you know, he, he gave me a little bit of advice, which certainly helped. He was hard to get um, past, wasn't he? Oh, very hard to get past. <laughs> yeah. He'd wobble around a bit in front of you in the straight. I'm sure he did it on purpose too. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, what a, what a fantastic rider. And, mm. um, yeah, that, that I suppose that gave me – uh, hope after I got back from my knees to to sort of continue to ride, even though mm. um, you know some people write you off and that you're that you're older. But mm. at the end of the day, you've got 
so much experience us older jockeys we've got so much experience mm. behind us you know that that shouldn't be forgotten you're riding at 54 kilos are you comfortable uh never <laughs> mm. um i suppose you know i i may like to enjoy life a, a little more now that um you know i suppose that i'm older um but I, I still train very hard every day because, um, you know, if you're older, you need to stay fitter than these younger blokes. And uh, it's always been a struggle, and uh, the weather up here really doesn't help. Uh, some people think that just because it's hot, it's easy to lose weight, but it, it's reversed for me because it makes you uh, retain fluid and you don't go to the toilet as much because um, your body just won't let it go. Yeah. And uh, this year has been particularly difficult because the the humidity's just been horrendous, especially mm. the last two months. Now, the meniscal problems with the knees, as we speak right at this moment, how are the knees? Oh, the knees are amazing. Like I, I walk every day and jog. Um, um, I've just started playing squash again, um, started mm. off slowly and, like I, I didn't think I'd ever get to play squash again, even playing golf again, um, and no problems whatsoever. 35 years a professional jockey. Obviously, you've had your share of spills, but I think we could safely say you've been one of the lucky ones. Oh, for sure, yeah. Um, you know, it's it's one of those professions that, you know, you never know what's around the corner and you never know what's going to happen. So, you know, I've, I've had couple of horrific looking falls and you know have been lucky enough to to walk away reasonably unscathed unlike some other jockeys you spread your time and your loyalties these days between a small group of trainers who continue to support you uh, there's chris munts sheila and john simons brian wakefield Tony and Lorraine Erhart, you're talking about marvels. There's one, Tony yes. Erhart, Paul yes. Butterworth, and of course your old mate, expatriate Kiwi Brian Smith. Yeah, that's right. So, um, yeah, I, I ride seven or eight work. Um, you know, I, I go to the track Tuesday, Thursdays, Saturdays, mm. and usually ride seven or eight work. So that that you know, riding riding one each for those stables. Um, that keeps me busy enough and, uh, you know, they, they've supported me. Um, so I just feel that, you know, give it back to them and, and support them as well by trying to ride their horses. You and Michelle have two great kids who are very focused on their futures. Your son, Luke, is 23. He's in his second year of med school and he yes. hopes to be Dr Cassidy one day. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who would have thought? Um, yeah, Luke was always very tiny, and uh, as he got older, he just he was he was like me. He was always the smallest in his in his class, and now he's just shot up and he towers over me. He takes after uh, Michelle's side of the family, mm. and uh, you know medically as well because uh, they're all medical people. So yeah, very exciting that um, uh, he's going to be a doctor, and um, Michelle's father's. Very pleased too, because uh, he was oh, he was he was head doctor of um, chief doctor of Queensland Health. Mm. Your only daughter Jade is seventeen. She's in year twelve. She has a deep interest in the arts, particularly the field of acting. 
have we got another Meryl Streep on our hands? <laughs> well, if she could be a tenth as good as Meryl Streep, I think um, you know, we'd be excited. But, um, look, that's, that's sort of what she's thinking at this stage. The way she drives, she's been learning to drive. I think she wants to be a racing car driver as well. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> um, look, as, as, as long as she's happy in what she does, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll be happy with happy for her. We've mentioned Jeff Lloyd. He was very close to his 58th birthday when he retired last year. So he says, John. So he says. <laughs> Do you see yourself going that long? Oh, another eight years. Mm. Look, I, I sort of thought I pencilled 55. Mm. Um, I would I would love to ride 3,000 winners. Uh, so I'm sort of penciled 55, um, but that it just all depends on how my body's coping, um, whether I'm still really loving it and enjoying it. And at the end of the day, if I'm if I'm still loving it and enjoying it, and my body's up to it, well, mm. I'll, I'll keep riding. And and you've got that goal now. You've got that target, three thousand winners. What an enormous incentive! Yeah, it'd be fantastic to get there. Um, yeah, I'd be be one of few that that have in Australia. So um, yeah, it would be a nice milestone to get to. Let's hope. Let's fingers crossed. I can get there. I've watched you very closely, Larry, since you first arrived in this country in 1992, and you've been a very committed and a very professional and very hard-working jockey all the way through. 2,700 career wins, 42 Group 1s, and most importantly, the respect of your contemporaries is a great testimony to the job you've done, and you're far from finished yet. Uh, it's been um, it's been a, a fantastic career, and you know to think that um, I'd never have thought that I'd still been riding uh, when I was when I was fifty. Um, I was hoping I wasn't going to be riding when I was fifty, <laughs> but um, I'm still enjoying it, and uh, yeah, there's still that thrill of trying to put your leg over the next next champion or next winks. Mm. There was talk of a comeback for Brother Jimmy. Uh, maybe 12 months ago, and then uh, he was involved in a car accident uh, in which he was extremely lucky to escape serious injury. I think that uh, put the finishing touches on any thoughts of, of a comeback, but at one stage he seemed pretty keen on the idea. Yeah, apparently he did, yes. Um, to be honest, I, I was very surprised when he announced his uh, retirement because yeah, he, he was riding very well and he, he doesn't have a lot of problem with his weight. Um, so, yeah, that, it sort of shocked me when he announced his retirement. I didn't hear early. I only heard when he announced it. So, funny enough, I was talking to him the day before mm. and he didn't even tell me. Um, mm. So, yeah, that, that was it was quite a shock to me because I thought he might have continued riding, but obviously, um, you know, he thought the time was right and had had enough. Mm. Um yeah, you know, but I suppose there's never say never. Um, you know the, you know G Boss and uh, the old Damien Oliver. Um, when you see jockeys like that going round, still riding at their peak, you know you just never know, do you? Mm. It's hard to capsulise the Jim Cassidy technique and the Jim Cassidy talent. How would his younger brother explain it? 
Well, he's he's got the nickname Pumper, and um, I suppose that's that's what his his style's like. He sort of pumps the horse, but they they respond. Um, you know, he's got Jimmy's got lovely balance, and like I said, he he was probably born to be on a horse. Although in saying that, um, if he wasn't a jockey, he would he certainly would have been an All Black. <laughs> Yeah. I think I've heard him say that. Yes, yeah, he was a very good football player. Yeah, was he? Yes, oh yes, yeah. He uh, he represented uh, New Zealand in the under in the junior 16s. ranks. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, they toured. I think they toured Australia. Yeah, so mm-hmm. um, I think his coach was disappointed when he said, "I want to want to ride horses." From a media viewpoint, I've got to say, you've always been very generous with your time as you have been today in making yourself available for this podcast. On behalf of all of my colleagues in the racing media, Larry, thank you very much for your accessibility, uh, your patience, uh, and uh, the gracious way in which you've given so much time over a long, long period of time. No, that's a pleasure. And um, thanks, John, for all your kind words and um, the many interviews that you've done with me and make me look good. (laughs) Larry Cassidy has been our special guest on a podcast produced by Supernova Sound. This podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and Inglis.